Welcome to our Lead to Succeed podcast, where we share leadership and business growth insights, both from our own experiences and that of our guests. We're the hosts. I'm Rebecca Jenkins, founder of Argen, helping companies to grow by finding, gaining and growing the best clients. And I'm Callum, sharing my perspectives from both being an entrepreneur and working in a variety of different companies. Whether you lead a team or a business, you'll find practical tips, inspirational insights and ideas as we discuss a wide range of leadership topics. So with that, here's today's episode. Thank you listeners for joining us again on our Lead to Succeed podcast. You're going to be excited today because we have Simon Severino joining us and he's joining us from the beautiful city of Vienna. Now, Simon is an author. He's the CEO of Strategy Sprints and host of the Strategy Sprints podcast. So he's a podcast expert, but his main business is in helping business owners in SaaS and services to run their company more effectively, which results in their sales soaring. So I'm sure we'll be talking a little bit more about that as well as we go through. Um, Simon helps... Companies double double their revenue in 90 days. He leads a global team of certified strategy sprint coaches. And he's a member of SVBS, which is Silicon Valley Blockchain Society. And I think we're going to be delving into that a little bit to see what's the relevance of that to leaders. And he's also a TEDx speaker. He's appeared on over 500 podcasts. And he writes for Forbes and Entrepreneur Magazine about scaling digital businesses. Wow, you have a lot of expertise and we want to hear some of that on this podcast. Big welcome to you, Simon. Hello, everybody. Excited to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. So let's let's kick off and get started. Thank you very much for joining us. Cool. Yeah. Pleasure to have you on the podcast, Simon. Thanks very much for, for joining us today. Um, now, obviously, you've got a lot of experience working with CEOs in the past and a range of other, other people in businesses and, you know, a range of other expertise as well. So what would you say, like, from kind of that experience, what does great leadership uh, look, look like to you? Oh, that's a great question. What is leadership? Um, you know, 21 years in this leadership thing, um, and I've been teaching leadership actually in, in St. Gallen in Switzerland, uh, in universities, in the context of strategy. And, um, you know, the, the more I think about it, the less I know what leadership is. But I realized that big part of it is internal work. I would say 80% is working on yourself, going deeper into who you really are, and um, realizing who you are. By doing that, you, you can hold more space for others. And, and you have also more energy and more courage and more, and more love to hold that space for others. And this is then when the magic happens because people feel safe, people feel free to, to express themselves, to be who they truly are. And this is where the beauty of of teams, of, of constellations of people happens because now you have, they, they unpack their single superpowers. And this is then like an orchestra, you know, we are in Vienna, so we, we are musical people. And when you see Vienna Philharmonics playing together, that's magic. Uh, when an orchestra sings uh, their superpowers together, that's magic. And so what's, what's the role of leadership in this? 
I think it's making sure that there is this space and um, that somebody holds this space. It's not more and not less than that. And, uh, but it, it is needed for direction, for momentum and for creativity. Nice. Thanks, Simon. I, I guess like a lot of people would probably look to the CEO as to be like kind of the top leader within a business. And we touched on kind of those three habits of CEOs just before we started this podcast. So what kind of, could you share a bit of context as to what, they, what those three habits are? Yeah, and this is relevant right now because when things are so uncertain, like they are right now, like supply chains broken, markets volatile, everything out of joint, right? And so you, you, you have all these moving parts and you go, oh my God, what do I do next? So what is really in my control? It's in exactly this moment that I am glad that I have three habits, daily habit, weekly habit, and monthly habit. And that's actually the only three things that are in my control, literally as a CEO, because all the rest is not in your control. Your supply chains, obviously not. Uh, not even hiring, firing is in your control. Not even uh, fluctuation, not even sales is in your control. Um, what is really in your control? The daily habit is, let's write down how we spend our time and how we can spend it tomorrow more wisely. What will we delegate tomorrow? What will we outsource? And uh, if we would live more freely, more intentionally, what will we do tomorrow? The weekly habit is... Let's get the three main numbers every seven days, marketing numbers, sales numbers, operations numbers in a very simple dashboard, but one which is energizing. You look at it and you're ah, cool. I know what's going on. I know our, our current reality, our current numeric reality. And so we can take decisions based on our reality, not on narratives or emotions. And then the third habit, monthly habit, once a month, Let's check, are we running in the right direction at the right pace? And what are competitors doing? And do we need to change something or not? Where are we winning? Where are we not winning? How can we cut costs from where we are not winning? How can we reinvest that where, where we are winning so that we crush it? Um, these are the three habits, daily, weekly, and monthly. And, and that's what keeps me running in in you know 21 years in in good and bad times in in very strange times like this one it's it's the three things that keep me in control of things the rest is not in our control as a ceo how do you tie that in simon to your speciality and your real focus area which is sprints how do you tie I, that into that yeah I've wrote 13 chapters about that in my current book, Strategy Sprints. It's right now it's out on Amazon. And um, so there is this operating system, which is the core, the three habits. And then around that, there are the, the big problems that every, every entrepreneur needs to solve. And this is, you know, the marketing problem, the sales problem, the customer onboarding problem, the customer wow problem, and the customer retainment problem. And so... They are a bit more complicated, but there are blueprints and checklists to do that. You don't need to reinvent the wheel. Uh, there are 100 moving parts, but there are blueprints. It's like cooking. You can go crazy learning French cuisine for the first time. Um, but there are also some principles that you don't need to reinvent. Uh, like before you cook, there is, the, there is the mise en place. 
you order things around and then there is a specific order of, of heat and um, and of preparation etc so we don't need to reinvent the wheel there are proven blueprints and um, i share mine in this book and in the method the strategy sprints method and i think this is something that helps people keep keep focused keep in doing the the things that really matter and not get distracted in a ton of activities that really don't don't move the needle very much forward so how do you recommend a, a business a managing director has is listening to this podcast and think oh sprints yeah that's quite um, a, a well accepted term these days how could they benefit my business how could I go about implementing them? What do I need to know? What do I need to do? How, how beneficial would it be? So what's the opposite of sprints? It is long meetings where people talk a lot and nothing gets done. And um, the sprint is a short, intense um, burst of work where you create something, a first draft. It's not perfect, but it's measurable. It's testable. You can you can uh, go out there and say, people, this is what we got. What do you think? Uh, is it helpful? And then you get your first feedback. And with that feedback, now you have more knowledge. And with that, you put in a little bit more time, attention, and budget. And that's the iterative principle that works very well on the product level. I was missing it on the level of how to run a company. And so I was like, why do I have to have these boring meetings uh, and nothing gets done really? All people talking all the time. And that's not the, that's not the purpose of a business, right? To talk. Um, it's, it's to create awesome experiences for people that solve their problems. And so I was like, what if we take these sprint principles that work so well on the product level in, in the design world, in the IT world, what if we take them for how to run a company. And um, it worked. So we can do that. Uh, we have to focus on one thing at a time for one sprint. A sprint is seven days in our method. And um, some clients do 14 days, but really seven days is the masterclass. And the whole team is just solving one thing. And it's the current bottleneck. You, th you, you think of your system as a simple, value creation process from awareness, engagement, uh, high engagement, and then commitment. That's when you close the deal, you start delivering, and then you, you create your magic, your wow, and then hopefully you retain people um, and, and you can upsell and cross-sell people. So that's the simplest way of thinking of a business. It's value creation across these stages. And now we ask, okay, what if you 10x next week? You have 10 times more clients next week than this week. Which part of your business breaks first? That's the bottleneck. And so you might say, well, onboarding, yeah, we can onboard them. But then in week two, every, we cannot deliver because it's a manual process. We don't have enough people. Week two, that's the part that would break. Week two of the delivery. And then we know, okay, that's the bottleneck. So the whole team would now solve this bottleneck this week. And when it is solved on Friday, we measure, we learn, we set the next focus. Takes around eight minutes to, to find your current bottleneck. And then first time you do it a half an hour, but then you find your bottleneck. And again, for seven days, 
whole team just solves this bottleneck. And um, it sounds so simple, but um, it's, it's very effective because by solving the bottleneck, you solve the overall throughput, which is how much capacity that whole value pipeline can create is much higher than just a bottleneck. And it's higher than if you would um, solve everything a little bit. It's much higher if you just solve the current bottleneck, which is the one weakest point right now. If, if we relate this back to leadership, Simon, is there a particular leadership style that makes this more effective in an organization? You know, I think the situational leadership has, has its, its relevance in these in these highly volatile and uncertain times that you have to think there is not one style right you think about where are they in their journey in their maturity level and um in the beginning there is more support and then later on there is less support and more challenge right and more freedom and more challenge because that's what they need so i would say situational making really personal plans and and giving a high higher degree of freedom uh, as soon as possible, right? I think you can go even faster nowadays. And in the end, it's about having an, a, a bunch of people that, that really bring in their superpowers a, in an un, un, unlimited way. And, and that's where the fun begins, right? It's like, a, I don't know, a basketball team playing. You see them and you go, wow, yeah, that's cool. And they are very aligned. They see one thing, right? And then, and then you have the single superpowers. If you remember Michael Jordan, he was like flying. He was defying gravity. Was like, what, what, how is this possible? It's magic. <laughs> and that even became his, 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 his name, right? And so, but it was a disciplined practice it, in sprints, by the way. And it was a very disciplined practice of, of overcoming current, uh, current limits um, every day, every hour, every week. And... Um, that's the beauty. Uh, when we come together every Monday, um, we have fun, and uh, and we think of ourselves as being the the Avengers. Everybody is strange and has one superpower, right? And when we come together, um, there are so many superpowers in the room, so we are excited, and um, and kind of unstoppable, really, because somebody can solve the problem at hand, and we always have problem, of course, because we take problems of our clients, sales problems, marketing problems, and, and we want to solve them. So we are always discussing problems, but someone in the team has solved it. And so they say, hey, I, I did this. I did this. Uh, when I was at Coca-Cola, this is how I solved it. And then we say, okay, let's take the blueprint to get done faster. So uh, thanks for sharing all of that, Sam. One of the things you talk about with strategy sprints is obviously you know, getting companies to, to double their revenue in, in 90 days. Is the main focus behind that, you know, kind of continuously going through these sprints, taking the bottleneck, solving for it, moving on to the next challenge and kind of just keep continuously iterating the business and getting better and better over the course of that quarter? Or is there like another approach that you're, you're focusing on in order to get that 2x increase in, in the revenue? Yeah, 90 days. And doubling revenue. That's, that's the program, the strategy sprint. And why 90 days? Because it takes around 20, 25 days to break old habits, to go into the learning zone, from comfort zone to learning zone. 
And then it takes another around 75 to 85 days to fortify again. So when you do transformation, and we are in the business of transformation, um, there is a stage called unfreeze, and then there is a stage called refreeze in the end. And so you need all these three stages. Um, you need to invite to new behaviors, you need to experiment the new behaviors, and then you need to anchor and fortify the new behaviors. Like when you do ev 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 whatever new thing you do, your first marathon, uh, losing 15 kilograms, whatever it is, you always have these three stages. And in the end, you need to fortify it again so that you don't go back to the old habits. Otherwise, you have this yo-yo effect. And so that's why 90 days. And then each month has a specific thing that we need to solve. So in the first month, we need to free up 10 to 14 hours per week of the founders because the founders are usually the bottleneck. They created something with passion, but now when they are on holidays, nothing, nothing works. And so you need an organization that is made of systems, of processes that work independently from single people. That's when you have a resilient business. And that's why we have to get them out of the weeds and free 10 to 14 hours of their time. That takes around three, four weeks. Then we go month two, we use these 10, 14 hours that they now have per week to work on form, fit, and function of the sales system, sales workflows, sales script, sales technique. They, they record how they, how they close deals and we give them feedback. That increases the conversion rate by on average 25%. Then we go and reduce the sales time in B2B business, sometimes you have eight months, 10 months of sales time. We reduce that to two weeks, three weeks with um, the RBS, with the relationship building sequence. And now we have reduced by 25% the sales time. The third thing that we need to get right to double revenue is increasing by 25% what they charge for their offer. In order to do that, we have to do eight positioning homeworks like uh, collecting client testimonials, making really tangible what the benefit is, creating maybe a guarantee behind the offer, a risk reversal, etc. There are eight things that we need to do. And when we did this, now it's around day 70, day 80, we have increased these three levers by 25%. And that increased revenue by 99% because they compound. These three plus 25% things, they compound. And so... Now it's day 90 and we have doubled revenue and the sprint is over, but those systems, the operation system, the sales systems, uh, they keep on giving because they are implemented. Once implemented, they keep on working. People can come in and out of those roles and, and learn those processes and do those processes, but they always work because an organization needs to work independently of the people. There is... There is one thing that really caught my interest on that what you just said there, Simon. When both my mum and I have, have a bit of a background in sales, I guess you could say. And you mentioned, maybe I misunderstood it, but you said about taking some of those like long, lengthy sales cycles from around like eight months down to like two or three weeks. That's obviously like a massive uh, like reduction in sales cycles. So how, yeah. how would you go about doing that? Because I'm sure like any business owner listening to this would be like really interested in how they go about doing that. Yeah. So... Why does it take eight to 13 months in high ticket B2B sales? Because 
you need around 16 to 17 contact points, experiences with, with you until I trust you enough to send so much money over. Mm -hmm. So in the old world, you had to have 16 dinners with those people. Uh, you meet them at two conferences, then you go fly to their city, etc., etc. And that's why it took so long. Now, in the digital world, you don't have to wait for that. So you can see a live RBS in action. If you go, if you go to our website, strategiesprints.com, and you, you subscribe to anything, you opt in to our newsletter or, or, or you download some tools, you will get the RBS. And the RBS is something that we, we create customized with each client. But in the end, the principle is, let's create 16 wow experiences in the next 20 days. And you can. That, that's why I run a podcast. That's why I wrote a book. So one email, we say, hey, this is my book. Read the book. And if you like it, leave an Amazon review. So they read the book. They go, wow, this is value. Next day, they relax. And they, they, it's over. Work is over. They want to relax, take their iPad, have a, have a cool evening, right? So they go on YouTube. Hey, this is Simon. By the way, I have a sales tip for you. This is how I do joint ventures. Da -da 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 -da. 10 minutes, delivering value. They go, oh, wow, cool. That's the Simon again. That's the guy from the book. Okay. The next day I say, hey, I did an amazing video for you. It's on LinkedIn. Join me on LinkedIn. Next day, again, value, but it's in the Facebook group. And so you can create 16 valuable experiences with you actually in 10 to 12 days if, if you design them well. And, and if you really come from the heart and really give of course, you have to give, right? And not everybody's comfortable with giving. They go like, I'm behind the paywall, pay me first. You have to give a little bit, right? These 16 times. But if you do that, now you have a relationship. Quite one, because I don't meet all my friends 16 times in two weeks, right? So it's quite a relationship and it's possible in the digital age because with email and socials and video and podcasts, you can create 16 experiences, 16 valuable moments. And then if, if they are the right person and if they need your offer, you will be top of mind. Now you can go and, and make them an offer and say, hey, I can coach you. You are an entrepreneur. I can coach you. You have experienced a little bit how I work, we can do this together. Um, what's your plan for the next 90 days? Do you want to double revenue together? Let's do this. And now if they need it, they might book it now. That's the RBS. Okay. Thank you for explaining that. And uh, people can, my listeners could go and get your book and understand that in a little bit more detail, I guess. One of the things that in the introduction that caught my eye was the Silicon Valley Blockchain Society. And I thought, how can, what's the relevance of that to leadership? And maybe that's a good discussion point. So it's very prevalent. It's, uh, it's, a it's a digitization and it's something we probably all need to know a little bit more about. So what's the relevance to that to leadership? Is there relevance? And please share your views on that. Be interesting. The blockchain technology is the most exciting thing that I have experienced in my life. I've experienced the internet coming, but that was like, I don't know. I, I was just, you know, I was, 
I was enjoying it, but it didn't change my life. Uh, I was too young, maybe. Uh, but this blockchain thing, when I realized what this is, this changed my life. And so every day I dedicate a couple hours to studying the blockchain, to contributing, to, to being the blockchain and to helping this new world emerge. Why? And, and what's the relationship to leadership? So leadership has always been around trust and creating environments of where trust is possible. Now we have the chance to create systems that are trustless, which is even better. Because if I can trust, that means somebody can also corrupt that situation. Because you can trust, but maybe it's not worth trusting. Maybe it's not where I should trust. So if I trust you with something, you can still be corrupt, sell it to somebody else or sell my data, all stuff that's happening every day. People take our trust and mis misuse it, right? They abuse it. So there is this new technology, which is a database, which is accessible to everybody, 100% inclusive. That's new. We never had a financial system that is 100% inclusive globally. Europe and the US, they had an inclusive system. But most countries in the world, they still have an unbanked population of 60%, 70% of their people don't have a banking account. They don't have access to the financial system. Blockchain changes that because it's, it's an trustless system. You don't need intermediaries who say you get a bank account. No, you don't get a bank account. So they can go directly and be the bank account if they want. It's changing the life of women in, in Arabian countries, in countries where they are not allowed by law to have a bank account. So if you are a, a female entrepreneur in Saudi Arabia, you cannot pay your employees in some parts because you are not allowed to have a banking account. Those women right now, they are directly the bank. They pay their employees daily in, in Bitcoin, daily or hourly, sometimes hourly, because it's just a software, it's just a smart contract. You tell him pay every hour this amount. That's it. And it does it for you. You don't have to trust it. And there is no, no intermediary. And, um, and then you have some situations like global conflicts where people need to leave the country and they cannot take their possessions with them, but they can take their wallet with them because it's, it's just something. You, you only need to remember 20 words and you can take your wealth with you. So it's a freedom technology. It enables trustless interactions and trustless value and it's, it's creating for, for many people um, the first really moment where they have the right to own um, uh, wealth and to, to generate wealth. So I am very excited. I want to be part of this. And every day I, I try to contribute a lot. And I also like accumulating Bitcoin, obviously, because the kids of my kids will be, will be so happy. <laughs> awesome thanks Simon. uh now, this is like taking a, a slight tangent to the leadership side of things but i think like all of these new technologies are really fascinating and i think it's something that we hear a lot about quite often but i think people like including myself don't fully always understand kind of i guess like the benefit of it so let's say you're an entrepreneur or you're someone that's kind of interested in getting into blockchain or bitcoin or like whatever it might be 
I guess specifically in this context, the blockchain side of things, what would you suggest people like start looking into or like when you're doing your research, what is it that you're looking, what, what, like what aspect of the blockchain are you researching? What aspects are you kind of like looking to get into? Yeah, that's the bad news is it takes a lot of research. And, um, and 95% it's, it's BS, really BS. So I would say start by studying Bitcoin and then start by studying the so-called layer ones. What is a layer one blockchain versus a layer two? Um, because these, these are the most solid things and they will be around in, in longer because <laughs> 95% of the blockchain world will not be around very long. Um, it's like the internet bubble. Most of it was just a hype. Um, but we know that the store of value technology, which is Bitcoin, and the layer ones, with our, which are the foundational blockchain, the rails that you need for, the, for, for everything to, to, to happen on it, those things are really worth studying. There are many free courses. I have an, I have an own YouTube channel about it where I share my, my journey in understanding it, in, in investing in it, in contributing to it. And um, my channel on YouTube is called Simon Severino, where I share these things. There is the academy. It's a free academy run by Michael Saylor, where you can study these things. Um, and um, find good sources, people like Michael Saylor, like Robert Breedlove. They're very good at teaching this. There are books that are really helpful. Um, like the Bitcoin standard or the fiat standard. The work of Ray Dalio is quite, quite helpful in understanding macroeconomics. Um, but it's, yeah, it's about doing the work. Um, you have to um, do your own exploration and understanding what economy is, um, what the new economy is. And um, it's, it's a fascinating journey. It's worth the study time. Sure, no, that makes sense. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks, uh, thanks, Aaron. As we get back into perhaps more, a little bit more on topic in terms of leadership, what, what three practical pieces of advice, Simon, would you give to somebody who's thinking about stepping into a leadership role or wants to be a better leader? So from your experience, what, what advice would you give? I think it's 80% internal work go deep into yourself, do less. If you really want to become a leader, I don't think most people should become a leader. I don't think just because you want to become a leader, you should become a leader. But I think some people just become leaders. <laughs> and usually it's not even a good thing. Uh, it's, it's, it's more work, people. It's more responsibility. It's, it's, you, you're sleeping uh, less, less well in the beginning. And so you don't have to become a leader. But if it's your path and if you find yourself that you are getting more and more responsibility from people, then take it and, and learn from it. Uh, now it's the inner work. What does it trigger in you? Why are you getting this responsibility? What do you do with it? What are you here to do? What's your superpower? And where are you afraid? Where are you overwhelmed? Um, how do you deal with it? Um, what do you identify with? And these are the important questions. 
And um, as you learn more about yourself, you will get even more responsibility. People will, will think that you can hold bigger goals and bigger things. And they will bring these bigger things to you. And then take them, enjoy the ride. Um, it will be a, a roller coaster and, um, and you will grow. It's, it's not comfortable. It's, it's the opposite of comfort. You will have growth pains along the way. Um, uh, but that's how you grow. We, we hear that as a common phrase and we agree with it ourselves, you know, to grow, you've got to, you've got to go through that discomfort and pain. It's part of the territory of being a leader or growing the business. So we resonate with you on that point for sure. And as we kind of wrap up, Simon, and just a sort of question I'd like to ask you about is what has been a really challenging time for you as a leader and how did you get through that? So we may have listeners that are also facing challenging times. As we said, it kind of goes with the territory of growing and running a business. So how do you cope with challenging times? And maybe you have a story around that you'd like to share. Every day is a challenge. And, and every day I try to dance with it, you know, to embrace it, not to work against it, not to push anything into the world, but more to be an antenna, to be a receptor, uh, to be a flute, like my kids are playing the flute, so it's empty. And so how can you be empty so that whatever needs to happen can happen and you are the vessel for it, right? You are the, the protector of it and the space. So how examples uh, whenever you are ready you will get bigger responsibilities and uh, and then you might take them or not so I like to surrender and to take them and that takes me to the next level of absolute incompetency and overwhelm and then I have to go through that and uh, as soon as I'm there so for example the in in the in your in your first 10 years it's about of, of work it's about finding your place finding your superpower what's your superpower front or back end developer or salesperson you know test many things and when it clicks you know where your place is then when you know your place usually it's about learning it in some kind of structured environment and at some point you have to you have to jump off that thing and um, accept that your path is your path so at some point you have to do your own thing and that's the next stage uh, of growth. When you're doing your own thing, at some point, it will be bigger than you can hold. So you will start having people around you. When you have people around you, you have to organize. When And that's the next challenge. When you organize, you will get again, much more clients, much more um, chances to have impact. And then everything breaks again and you are overwhelmed again. Oh my God, how do I do this? Now seven countries, how do I manage seven countries? I have no idea of the legal situation there. You start getting lawsuits. You have no idea of that. You will learn legal. And so on, on every of this, it's an upward spiral. And on every level of the next complexity, you will be totally overwhelmed. Hopefully you stay curious, you stay open, um, you stay heart-centered. And um, you work with whatever is going on and then you will get even more responsibility and then everything breaks again and you are a beginner all the time on a higher level. 
I think that's actually a really good way of phrasing it because you know it is all about developing isn't it learning as you go and as you said like as you progress from one role to another you will feel overwhelmed but you learn it and you progress and you move on to the next thing and so on so I think that's a really nice analogy and way of phrasing that thanks thanks Simon so I guess as we kind of wrap things up we, we draw to a close obviously we've, we've covered quite a range of topics in this conversation from blockchain to leadership to developing as a person um, are there any uh, sort of like final remarks that you'd like to share with our audience, Simon, in regards to leadership or blockchain or, you know, what, what are you working on at the moment? Any projects that you'd like to, to share with our audience and, and tell them about? Yeah, so we are we are on a mission to to light up one million people. So we want those one million people to have more time to be more relaxed. Even they are running a business, so they have a lot of responsibility. But we want them, you know, when they go to dinner to their dearest to be, to be the enjoyable person that they are and to be calm and to be peaceful and to be happy. That's, that's our mission. And to do that, um, I've just published this book with this very, very, very affordable and can bring moments of that to everybody listening right now. It's the Strategies Prince book. You can get it on Amazon. If you like it, please leave an Amazon review. That's, that's what Amazon loves. And uh, it, it means a lot to me. And uh, that's, that's what, I'm, what I'm doing right now, um, being on tour and spreading the word about the, um, the book because it can really help you have more life while, while you run a business. Awesome. Amazing. Thanks very much for coming on the podcast, Simon. It's been a pleasure talking with you. And um, yeah, we we'll look forward to posting uh, posting the podcast. Thank, Thank you, you very much. Fun. Thank you for listening to our podcast. And as always, if you enjoyed it, we welcome a review. And if you have any questions and like to get in touch with us, you can do that at the rgen.co.uk website.